want to welcome you here. Test, test, test. We on? There we go. Want to welcome you here. We also want to welcome those who are with us via the live stream, either from your house churches, your home groups, the storehouse where you have an at-risk group, or just watching uh, with your family or by yourself. We want to welcome you and invite you to participate um, with us. I'm going to pray, and then uh, we're going to take uh, off with the next part of the service. So, Lord, we just love you. We worship you. We thank you, O oh God, for the time when our focus comes back to the person of Jesus Christ and the miracle that you performed, O oh God. I thank you for the miracle that you performed with Mary, Lord God, that you were able to place your son, Lord God, and, and just cause him, Father God, to have both God's DNA and human DNA. And then he became an example for us for thousands of years about how we can be humans with all of our failings and frailties and, and faults and, and just issues, and yet have the miracle power working of God within us, Lord God, that divine nature, that miracle nature dwelling within us. So, Father, as we just humble ourselves before you and we receive that this morning, I pray your blessings upon these precious people. I pray, Father God, that this would be a service of encouragement, a service of, of new beginnings, and a service of an impartation of faith. And we thank you for these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. And I want to say that um, uh, we'll be um, talking about finding grace this morning as third part of our uh, finding um, uh, service, you know, sermon series, Signs of Christmas. We're going to have a candlelight service this morning, finding grace. Um, if you're on the live stream, we invite you to partake of everything we are doing which, as the service announcers mentioned, we're going to have communion. That'll be coming up in about five minutes. So we'd like for you to participate with us. Just go get some crackers and juice. Or if you're a wine drinker, get crackers and wine. It might be a little bit early for that, but, um, uh, you know. So crackers and water would also be okay. So uh, if you'll get those um, here at the building, we've got an upgraded little fancy thing that is, uh, Pastor Eva found these on Amazon. You leave it up to Amazon to give you an upgrade, you know what I'm saying? So it's got the little cracker on the bottom. These are underneath your chairs and the juice on the top. So uh, we joke about those things, but it has such deep, serious meaning. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And then also at home, we want to say that if you are joining us on the live stream Later on in the service, you heard about how we'll have a candlelight service. We believe this is going to be a time of impartation. So if you can use any candle you've got at your house, and we believe that the impartation will be as real to you as for those of us who are here in the building. So uh, let me read the passage from Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. And then we'll draw from that passage that will lead us up to our communion service. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, 
for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Would you say those words with me? I love that phrase. Nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So we're just going to use the first three verses of this passage and bring out three um, ways that we can interact with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Receive the grace, respond to the grace, and reflect on the grace. And in order to do those three things, we're going to have a little exercise of faith that we believe will be meaningful um, to you. Now, uh, at Abundant Life, we, our vision is to become a, um, a church of small groups as opposed to being a church with small groups. So we have small group leaders here in the building, and we just desire everybody to partake of these uh, things, starting with communion, in the context of a small group. So we'll have small group leaders, and the job of the small group leader is to help this experience be more meaningful to you. So we want everybody to be in small groups, and the small group leaders, you will have permission. If there's anybody that is not a part of a small group um, for the communion service to go on out and help just, just draw them into your small group and to partake of the communion uh, together. Now, just to uh, give an example of receiving God's grace and what the angel was doing to Mary, I thought of the time when I succumbed and partook of the freebie that was offered by a timeshare and then the price that I paid after that. Has anybody else ever experienced that besides me? You took the freebie from the timeshare and it was an amazing freebie. You know, they gave you either a discounted or a free stay in their wonderful place. And, uh, it was all good until the time whenever we had to go through the sales pitch. And what was supposed to be an hour sales pitch turned into a three to four hour sales pitch. They just kept feeding our kids more popcorn, you know. And, uh, and they gave us all kinds of freebies, you know, with, uh, with, you know, vouchers to eat and whatnot. But we noticed when we went to the restaurant that um, they asked if we had one of those coupons. And when you say yes, they give you a different menu than, you know, people that don't have one of those coupons. And I thought, whoa, well, that's interesting. And this next passage, a lot of people feel like this is a timeshare sales pitch. And therefore, people withdraw and aren't jumping to take advantage of it. But I want to help us take advantage of this this morning. Now, in verse 28, it says, The angel came to Mary and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. 
And I want to focus in on the word favor. Favor. See, when the Lord appears to us and say, hey, you're a favored one, that actually means God's going to do you a favor. Now, again, human nature looks at it and says, timeshare sales. Don't want the favor from God. Because there's too many strings attached. We understand that. That's a natural human response. But we want to encourage you to overcome that response this morning and actually let God do you a favor. I thought of the American usage for the word favor. Now, for the Greek, meaning the Greek language, which the Bible was written in, the New Testament was written in, the word favor actually comes from the word grace. So we could read it like this. Greetings, O graced one, the Lord is with you. Greeting, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But this gets messed up in our American terminology. So I got to thinking of how we use the word favor. And I thought of the first one, you owe me a favor. Now, husbands and wives, how many of you have lovingly looked at your spouse with your sweet eyes and smized at them saying, you owe me a favor? Have anybody else done that? Oh, what are you guys thinking? Come on now. I think you need to do this. It's going to enrich your marriage, you know. Come on now. So um, that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the way. God does not owe us a favor. But we get it messed up because in our American culture, that's how we say it. We get to thinking, well, I did something for you. Now you owe me. Well, God never owes us. And if we get to thinking that God owes us something, well, then what happens is then uh, we lose the meaning behind it and it's no longer grace. And grace has nothing to do with what God owes us. It's a free gift. Then I thought of another phrase that we use for favor, such as, I fell out of favor with my boss. Well, usually that means I messed up, right? Well, now we're getting closer to the gospel of Jesus Christ because we did mess up before God and we fell out of favor with him. That's where the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all fell out of favor with God, but grace restores the favor. That's why we need God's grace and his favor and why we want to receive that grace and his favor. And then the one that is closest to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the Bible meaning of grace and favor is this. I need a favor. How many of you have ever used that word, I need a favor? Raise your hand if you have. I need a favor. Come on, you know you have. You know that friend that's got a truck and you don't have one, and you call them and say, I need a favor. I have friends that actually stop buying trucks so that they, you know, people stop calling them. I need a favor from you. Now that's how I want us to start approaching God this morning for our Christmas service. I want you to approach God saying, God, I need a favor. And quite frankly, even though you don't owe me a favor, I expect you to give me a favor because of grace. 
because grace was poured out in the person of Jesus Christ. And this whole thing is about grace, so I do expect you to give me a favor. Now, we're going to take communion, but I thought of one last illustration that might help us as we prepare to take communion. So under your chairs is these little guys right here. You can go ahead and grab them. And taken by itself, quite honestly, all this is is somehow juice that doesn't need to be refrigerated because it's sealed and a stale cracker because it's been in there for a while. Better than the styrofoam we were using. But, but taken by itself, there's not much to it. But if you begin to associate it with grace, the juice represents the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was spilled to forgive our sins, which then moves us where we were out of favor to I'm back in favor with God again. That's the juice. I was out of favor. Now I'm back in favor with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was spilled on the cross to forgive my sins. The body represents Jesus' body that hung on the cross for our case. And that actually goes just a little bit deeper. If the juice represents that my sins are forgiven, the cracker represents the power of God to actually change things in my life that I can actually change who I am. I'm talking about not changing from the outside in, but changing from the inside out. And that's a miracle of miracles right there, is the ability to change from the inside out through the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus did this in a small group. That's why we like to do it in small groups. So if you're at home and on the live stream and you have family members there, grab your family, bring them around. If you're alone and doing this by yourself, just join with us in the spirit. If you're in a house church, gather your house church and do this together. If you're here in the building, get into your small groups and let's do this together so that we can partake of the fellowship. Now, the last example to set you up is this. Back in my day when I was a child, my wife told me this morning that my gray hair makes me look distinguished. So back whenever I was a child, we had the J.C. Penny Christmas list. What that means is we would go through the J.C. Penney catalog and we would make a Christmas list of 20 items that we would mail off to Santa. And, you know, if we just got 10 of those, we had a good Christmas. Actually, if we just got five, that was still a good Christmas. And so I want you to make a Christmas list and tell the Lord what you want. Tell the Lord what you want. Tell God what favors you need from Him. Some examples. You're sitting in a room or you're sitting in the live stream and you're saying, well, Lord, the main favor I need from you is my marriage. I need a favor in my marriage. Fix my wife. No, don't, don't, don't. 
Don't do that. No. Lord, I need a favor. Would you, would you fix my marriage? Would you restore my marriage? Lord, I need a favor. My children aren't saved. Would you save my children? Lord, I need a favor. I need miracle healing in my body. I've actually been healed in the communion, so that's a good favor to ask of. Lord, I need a favor. I've been struggling with this sin in an ongoing way. It, it defeats me. It, it beats me it, every single time. Can you give me a favor and deliver me from that sin that just I just hate that exists in my life, this failing that is in my life? I need a favor, oh God. I need a favor. I need, Lord, the ability to work and provide for my family. Can you give me a favor of a good job or career? You know what favor you need. Put your Christmas list together. And I actually want to kind of encourage you, take about 60 seconds and put it in your phone right now. Open your Apple Notes or your whatever you use, or if you've got a notebook, put it in there. And write out your Christmas list to the Lord. Because we don't have enough time, don't do 20. Just do about five. Do about five things that you want the Lord to do for you. Ask for a favor, and then we're going to take communion together. We just thank you, Lord, for the new beginnings that you're giving people who are a part of this service, oh God. I thank you, Lord God, that many are going to be able to look back on this moment in time and say, things changed. So we just prophesy that, we speak that into their hearts, into their spirit, into their mind. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go ahead and be seated, and then we're going to move on to verse 29. Now Mary was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. We want to talk about how to respond to the grace that God is offering us in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, God offers every single person grace, every single person favor. I remember all of the times that God offered it to me before I finally accepted it. As many of you know, I was not raised in church. I was not raised in the ways of Jesus, nor didn't know anything about the Bible or God. But God was reaching out to me, sharing his grace with me, sharing his favor with me. Some things, you just got to warm up to them. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just got to warm up to a couple of things. And the grace of the Lord Jesus is that way. And the reason being is natural human response to God's advancement upon their lives is fear and withdrawal. That's very normal. It's in our DNA. We have the fight or flight response. Some people respond by fighting, but most people respond through flight. So the grace of God comes upon them. The grace of God is moving in their lives. And how do you know when a person is getting ready to receive Jesus for the first time? It's because the fight or flight response is not happening as strong as it was before. And that means they're getting ready to receive Jesus and make him their Lord and their Savior. If they do respond with a fight or flight response, that normal animalistic human nature that God gave us, you know, that's in, it comes from the fall, well then what you're doing, you're just warming them up to the gospel. I was on an airplane ride recently where 
There was a guy that, uh, he started the conversation and kept the conversation going. But the Holy Spirit just showed me this thing is naturally spiraling into an opportunity for you to share your testimony about how he can be saved. So I didn't have to do anything. I just let him naturally move the conversation. I paid a price. The price was I had to listen to all of his opinions that were different than mine. So after about 20, 30 minutes of listening to every opinion I disagree with in the book, that conversation just naturally spiraled down into, and by the way, what I, you know what I didn't do? Share any of my opinions. Because this thing was naturally spiraling into the one thing that mattered. And then he opened it right up where he practically begged me, tell me how to get saved. And so I began to share my testimony, how I received Jesus as my Savior and my Lord as the age of 15, and it began to transform me from the inside out, and I began to live a life of joy and peace and presence where God became just a part of my DNA and changed me permanently. Well, many people like Mary are troubled. They're fearful. But God will keep on gently probing us, gently working with us to get us to where we finally will say, yes, Lord, I'm ready. Yes, you may be in the room this morning. You've never received Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord, but you know that God has been probing. He's been gently approaching you saying, are you ready? Are you ready for this to be the moment to say yes to Jesus? You may be also in the room and you have fallen away from Jesus and you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit gently reaching out to you saying, this is the moment. This is the time for you to get a new beginning, to start over and to make Jesus Lord of your life because you know you've been running your life yourself and you haven't done such a good job of it. And Jesus is saying, hey, let me be in charge. As that song goes, Jesus, take the wheel. Let Jesus take the wheel. You just get over into the passenger seat. Come on, you guys know that famous book where the guy was an atheist. And after he got rich and famous, he researched all the religions of the world and said that I think Christianity is the real one. And so that was his story of he just said, well, because I believe this, I've got all this money and all this fame. I'm moving to the passenger seat, and Jesus, you're in the driver's seat. You drive the car, I'll go along. And he lived the rest of his life that way. That's what it's all about. I want to lead us in a prayer where we respond to the grace of God. And if you would just close your eyes and pray this prayer with me, I'd like for everyone in the room to pray this prayer. If you're on the live stream, I encourage you to pray this prayer. It works better if you'll pray it out loud with me. If you're on the live stream and in a, in a house church, go ahead and pray it out loud. Pray loud enough in your little house church so that people aren't intimidated uh, and everybody gets to pray it together, and that'll make it more meaningful. So say these words as you accept the grace of Jesus. Say, God, I thank you that you sent Jesus into the earth he went around doing good, healing all who were sick. 
And all who were oppressed by the devil, because God was with Jesus. And I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And he was buried in a grave. But God resurrected Jesus. And now Jesus rules in heaven. But I also want Jesus to rule in my heart. Jesus, come in. Be my Savior and my Lord. Forgive my sins and my failings. I receive your grace and your favor. And I repent of my sins. And I want to change. And right now, before God and these people, I proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Say it just a little louder. Say, Jesus is Lord. Say it just a little louder. Say, Jesus is Lord. Can we shout one? Say, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Jesus, you're Lord. You're God. You're King. Jesus is Lord. You're Lord over our lives and you're Lord over our spheres. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and stand and sing the next song. We're going to look at how to reflect on God's grace from Luke chapter 1, verse 30, where the angel said to Mary, do not be afraid. So he's trying to encourage her. Don't react with that normal flight, fight or flight response, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And this will bring us to our candle lighting part of the service. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I like candle lighting services. I think those are awesome. But um, Christmas has such deep meaning to me because I know how um, God used it to soften my heart as a lost person over and over and over again until I was finally ready to say yes to Jesus. So Christmas had meaning to me before I was saved, after I was saved, and even, I mean, now it just has super deep meaning. Children are coming in, and um, we are going to prepare for the candlelight service, so we want to encourage you, if you're in on the live stream, if you're at home, go ahead and grab a candle and get your lighter ready. But the magic is not in the candle. The magic is not in the fire that's upon the candle. By the way, children can partake. If, you, if they want to use a candle, that's awesome. Uh, it's got little dealies here that help the wax, you know what I'm saying? So just help your child not to do this with it, you know. Um, so as we reflect on the grace that God is giving, he said, you have found grace or favor with God. So often we come from foundations of fear foundations of failure foundations of I'm not good enough foundations of I tried and I failed foundations of I've tried to be fruitful and I wasn't fruitful well this is a time to reverse all of that we're getting rid of those foundations and we're going to put a foundation of favor in your life and what we're going to do is we're going to light the candles and we're actually going to have house churches come down here. What they will do, house church leaders, they'll come down. We'll light this one. They'll come down, 
and then they will take their candles back and light your candles. It's a time where if you want to do a prophecy of encouragement, comfort, or edification, you can do that. Please just don't take five minutes per person. It, it needs to be just a, a word um, that you would uh, give to that person. That's fine. Or it could be just a time of reflection. But what we're really going for is this. God has imparted grace to you to carry the load he's assigned to you during this time. Now, just by a quick show of hands, how many of you feel like you have a load to carry during this time? Yeah, everybody in the room should. You've got a load to carry during this time. We're going to reflect on the grace that is given to us to carry the load. And that's why the angel wanted a foundation of favor in Mary's life. He wanted a foundation of favor in Mary. And the reason for it was Mary had to carry the load of baby Jesus. I mean, you mamas, it's enough to carry the load of baby you. You know what I'm saying? Imagine carrying the load of the Son of God. You think she had issues of, I got to raise this baby right. <laughs> right? I'm carrying the Son of God. I mean, she needed a foundation of favor, which means I've got what it takes to raise the Son of God who's going to change all of history forever. I've got what it takes because of the grace put upon my life. As most of you know, in the early part of Jesus's life, he was a baby. Mary and Joseph had to carry the load of, we mentioned on our podcast, leaving their hometown of Bethlehem and moving to Egypt where no good Jew wanted to move to because Herod wanted, Herod sent out an eagle. He's going to slaughter every two-year-old and below to try to catch Jesus in the net. They had to flee and they went to Egypt. Joseph had to take care of his family there. Mary had to take care of baby Jesus there. Then they moved back and they still weren't able to come to Bethlehem because Herod's son was on the throne. Just imagine the current president of the United States, which everyone is, you know what I'm saying, you voted for or didn't vote for, turning on you, wanting to kill your baby. And that's what they were going through. And so then what they did was they had to move to Nazareth and basically raise the son of God on what we would call the other side of the tracks. Nazareth was not a great place to raise a baby. They raised Jesus through his teenage years on the other side of the tracks, the rough section. It was so bad that they said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That was where he spent his teenage years. Mary was given favor to carry the load. And I want you to reflect on what favor, what grace is God giving you to carry the load? Maybe you have to carry the load of your family. Maybe your job is to carry the load of being joy in the midst of a bunch of depressed people. Maybe your job is to carry the load of forgiveness in the midst of a bunch of bitter people. 
Maybe your job is to carry the load of you're the one person who's serving the Lord in the midst of a bunch of people who are not serving the Lord. They're fallen away. They've, they've run away from God. Maybe your job is to raise children during this time. You know what it is. You know what load you have been called to carry. But we're going to reflect on that. And the goal of the candlelight service is I'm going to pray an impartation over you that you'll carry it like Mary carried Jesus. I believe Mary carried Jesus with joy as they traveled to Egypt. How many of you believe that? I believe that Mary carried Jesus with peace as they came back and they learned that Herod's son was on the throne and so they couldn't go home. I believe that Mary carried Jesus with faith, raising him in Nazareth where negative influences would have been put upon him and yet he was going to grow up to be a man of God that would change the world. I believe that she carried that load well, so well. Matter of fact, the scripture says that Mary carried that load so well that she got to participate in Jesus's ministry. Now, come on. She got to be there when he was crucified. She carried that load. She got to be there whenever he was given revelation that he was resurrected from the dead. Mary got to be there when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was given upon 120 people. She got to be there in Acts chapter 2. I mean, she got to be there at the most important, life-changing, history-changing events that ever took place. Mary was there. And it's because she took the grace that God gave her and she carried the load.